0: It's Judd's
1: Hockey Show. Welcome in. If you are watching us live, we appreciate it. On a late-night edition of Judd's Hockey Show, Judd A.J. Fredrickson, who joins me frequently. Uh, Declan getting back from Vegas, his latest uh, vacation. He will be back tomorrow as we start National Football League Free Agency. But, um, age, I've got no fewer than three pages of notes and a block and a a, a whole side of... uh, of talking points off this game. The Wild, if you watched it, lost 5-4 in overtime to the Coyotes. They actually blew a two-goal lead at Mullet Arena. Um, they are now they have now recorded points in I believe it's a franchise record, if I'm not mistaken. 13 consecutive games, 10-0-3 on their current road trip. Now they are 2-0-1. They beat Winnipeg. They beat the Sharks uh last night, and then the back to back, they lose to the Coyotes. Um But let's start, well, I mean, heck, there's a lot of of, uh, places to start. Let's start here. Um, There's a lot to get to, and I'm not faulting this person, but it felt like the Gus bus had a little bit of air let out of the tires tonight. Um, He was a little bit shakier. I didn't expect him to maintain the um, style of play or the standing on his head that we have seen of late, but I will say this. If, um, if the Gus bus is going to struggle with Kirill Kaprizov out and when Matthew Dumba and John Klingberger are playing def- defense in front of him, not to mention Alex Goligoski, we'll get to him in a second. Uh, this is going to be a little bit bigger of ask than I thought. And I guess you could say right now, as I pinball back and forth between who's the number one goaltender on this team, I guess I'm team flower again for now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, it, it's hard not to be, I feel like, after that. And it, I don't want to say that it was all Gustafson tonight because no. there, was, there were certainly certainly goals, and especially the, um, I'm going to say, the game-tying goal late yeah. there. Just, a de- I, I, I said, a defensive catastrophe because you enter the zone and you know you're defending a lead and it's late in the game. Guys are getting tired, but you just back off totally back off give a full 10 foot bubble to the puck carrier on the wing skating into the zone and then you're relying on the trailing winger to pick up um you know uh, Clayton Keller so it, it just doesn't make any sense on why nobody's picking up a body coming into the zone that late for a yeah. team that needs their identity to be locked down defense yeah. you blew the door wide open for them it was it was an unbelievable uh play to lead to overtime and then God it is it's just such it's just such a disappointing night. Such a disappointing night because they're they're simply a better team than the Arizona Coyotes any day of the week with or without Kaprizov. Um, You could take Boldy, you could take Eric Sinek, you could take whoever out of the lineup. They should be a better team than the Arizona Coyotes any day of the week. Mm -hmm. And they were for about, there was about like a 12-minute stretch, maybe a period where it's like they showed that. And then... I, I don't know. It's just so weird. It's so weird because they just let them stay in it and they let them hang around. And I didn't, okay. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's what they're going to do. This is the game style they're going to, and then they just let it all go. And now they only walk out of Arizona with one point. Just terrible.
1: So um, with that point, with that uh, OT loss, the wild has 84 points. So here's how things stack up right now. They are one point behind Dallas, which has a game in hand. Uh, The Stars have 85 points. The Wild has, in 67 games, 84 points. The Winnipeg Jets, who swept their Florida trip tonight, impressively beating the Tampa Bay Lightning, have 79 points. So they're five back of the Wild in 67 games. And then the second wild card now is Colorado with 78 points. They're a point behind the Jets, but here's the important thing. Colorado has only played 64 games. So they have... Essentially, um, four points in hand potentially. So the Wild is uh, right now. If you look at this, um, the first team out of the playoffs in the wild card is Nashville, which of course is also in the Central Division. And Calgary, they both have seventy three points. The Wild eight eighty four points. So the Wild's still in good shape. They do get a point. I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about the tying goal though that you brought up because I'm, I'm very confused by it. Um, so I went back and watched it a, a few times and what's nice about mullet arena is because it's a college rink, that camera that's behind the net gives you a really good, it's like a, uh, it's like an all 22 film age in football. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it gives you a really good view on replays. So on the player talking about, McBain brings the puck in and here's where I'm confused because it looked like the switch was almost predicated on what he thought he was supposed to do. And I don't know why. Goligoski, who's the left defenseman with Dumba, who's the right defenseman, okay? Goligoski, to what you're saying, just backs off completely. So he comes in the zone and heads to the right side, as if he's supposed to switch, like you're switching off a guy in basketball. Goligoski then ends up on the right side taking nobody. Mm-hmm. Dumba looks rather confused on the left side. And like you said, the winger didn't do his job, so... You know, these are the type of mistakes that if the wild is going to have any success in the playoffs, they can't make. Like that was uh that was not a bang bang, oops, I just got beat. That was a systematic breakdown. Like you said, it was a defensive disaster. So that's the type of play I went back and watched. And I'm like, that can't happen here. Like that cost you two points, it cost you a regulation win, and more importantly, what it looked like to me was, it looked like that's the exact type of thing that this team can't afford. I mean, without Kaprizov and with what they have right now in the lineup, there is no margin for error hmm. defensively like that. Like, you're going to make mistakes, but you can't make systematic mistakes. And so, I yeah, I I watched that and thought the same thing, which is, that is a brutal, brutal way. That's worse than the uh, than the Keller goal to win the game. That uh, sneaks through Gustafsson. It's not a great goal, but the one that tied the game is the one that you go back and say, you got to clean that up. And Alex Goligosky, you know, I know he's not fast anymore, but he's been around far too long, far too long, where if that w- was his mistake, it's pretty damn near inexcusable to make that
0: type of mistake and still get a free pass to be in the lineup when, whenever you want, I guess. I'm anxious to hear what his thought process was on that, because like you said, the, the mold arena is, is it's not an NHL arena, but it does offer some very good stuff like that camera angle. So you could see the whole play developing in that play up ice. I mean, it was one of those, you could almost sense it was coming. You just got that feeling of something's going to happen poorly here. But, yeah, he just backs off, and then the, the thing that you said was the confusion of Dumba. So they weren't on the same page. Why would golagoski uh-huh. lead to believe that in that position, when you were the closest defender to McBain coming in on that half wall, that you just give way, and all of a sudden that's Dumba's man? Because it was like three, maybe three and a half strides before he was like, oh, I guess I should probably try to cover this guy. And then before you know it, it's a drop pass back to Keller, who is trying to be covered. I believe it was by Hartman or Zuccarello. I couldn't tell, but they're streaking back from the offensive zone, try like essentially almost hooking him, and he just fires away and you know tie game, bing bang. So, just I, I'm anxious to hear that, but just a terrible breakdown. And yeah, you, you you said it. You you're gonna I'm gonna allow like simple mistakes like Boldy. I would say on the breakaway late a chance to go back ahead or in overtime in overtime, overtime yeah. Yeah. um that was a weird because he already had a breakaway early in the game that he scored on and that one he almost had more time so I think he almost overthought it he's like I need to do an extra move so he lost the puck just shoot first off just shoot the puck the milk is not that good of a goaltender no And with that, too, I'm going off on a different tangent here. We talked about this the other day. They had 33, 34 shots at the end of regulation. That's not enough. That is not enough. And then you had two or three in overtime. It's not enough when you're playing the Arizona Coyotes. The Melka is not a Vesna candidate. He's not even a midway goaltender. He is somebody that they feel confident throwing in there because they want Connor Bedard. They're not trying to win games they're they're giving him a vote of confidence, but ultimately, front office should be hanging him out the dry. And now they are livid that they are walking out of there with two points tonight. Um, just it it doesn't make sense why they're not shooting the puck more in these games.
1: Well, there's definitely times tonight that they did that that's the problem is they go through these these streaks where they definitely, um are now trying to shoot more. The one thing that I had seen, and I saw it last night against the Sharks, who I think actually care less as a as a group than the coyotes do. Um, I think the coyotes actually I think the players care still because they're young. Oh, yeah. They're trying to to win jobs. I mean, hell, they gooned it up tonight. We can talk about that, too. There are four <laughs> fights in this game. That's like from my <laughs> childhood. I'm I'm in tears. I'm so happy to see that. But anyway, um, you know. I thought what we saw last night was a Sharks team that did not that did not care as much as the Coyotes did. But I do think that we have seen this. There are times in the last two games where because Kaprizov's not playing, more guys are shooting. Now they seem to, in the third period, I think they get so conscientious of trying to protect the puck and the lead that they pull off the gas pedal too quickly because it felt like in the third period Period, they were trying to play keep away, which is fine if you can do it, but then they lost the puck. It was actually, I observed this, I noticed it towards the end of the second period, actually, um, when the Coyotes scored that late goal. The Wild had been desperately trying to play keep away with the puck. Mm-hmm. And, but then the problem is, the problem is your blue liners aren't necessarily good enough. And look, that first goal tonight, that was a dumb special, baby. He ices the puck. So he doesn't cross center. Mm-hmm. So now you have a face off in your zone. So that's bad enough. But then go back and watch that first goal. It's Dumba in the slot there who loses his man and they score that first goal. So that was on Dumba. Um Klingberg as I tweeted and look, I know he can move the puck, okay? But he's he's an adventure. He is an adv- He got lost out there tonight. And I mean, he looks like he's like he is swimming without a um without a life jacket at times. Like there's things in his defensive zone where you're like, oh my gosh. I mean, Kalen Addison at times defensively in his zone at least can fool you into making you think he knows what he's doing, even if he doesn't. Klingberg, it's just obvious there's this blind panic. So you know, for what the, what the system that the Wild wants to play, I wonder if it's going to be an issue at times because there are certainly members of their blue line who struggle, but I do like the fact, and I guess this is the good side of things, that Zuccarello is finally shooting the damn puck. Mm-hmm. Without Kaprizov, uh, his goal tonight, what, second goal in two games, uh, he took a ton of shots. I don't know the exact amount of shots he took, and I don't know the exact amount that got on goal, but I love the fact He is shooting, but you are correct. Like at the end of the day, at the end of that game, and in the third period, I'm not saying I need the Wild to be irresponsible, but I always hate when teams basically take their foot off the gas pedal because it feels like that that leaves you open for problems,
0: which the Wild had tonight. Um, Quick note on shots on goal for the game here. A little mm-hmm. surprising to me on who led the team. Jared Spurgeon, with six shots on goal, He's joining the p- Wild. He's joining the play a lot, which yeah. is fine. He's good enough, too. Uh, Connor Dewar had four. Batsu Gorilla had three, along with Ryan Hartman. And then a plethora of guys had two or one. Okay. So a lot of attempts, just not finding the net there for a guy that I think probably should be just peppering the goaltender at all times from anywhere. Yeah. Um, And as you mentioned, I think it is nice to see that it's uh, it's a good change of pace to see him not changing or not. uh, He he is changing his game in the sense that he's not making that extra pass as often. I still see it at times, little flashes of him looking for it and trying to make it work. But he's definitely opted for. All right. I have to be the guy that just lets this one fire, even if I don't feel confident with the shot, which is refreshing to me. Absolutely. Um,
1: Tell me if if you see an update, I'm sure will only be told it's a lower body on Felino, because that did not look good. No. It looked like I couldn't tell if he got his leg got rolled up on or what. Uh and he did skate off, which is good, but he immediately left and uh and that that looked like it could be something certainly involving, I don't know, the Achilles, the ankle. That looked to be he his frustration I thought spoke volumes. Cause I mean this has been a, a season from hell, right? Yeah. I mean, he's been getting hurt consistently, coming off a great year last year. Uh, but uh, And I'm guessing Dean will say, it's a lower body, but don't know a thing. Uh, but <laughs> I would expect him to miss some time. All right, let's talk about the good here as well. Fourth line tonight. Yeah. Just fantastic. Yeah. That's the best game I've seen them play. Um, uh, I thought that that line played a ton. I thought that they deserved to, accounted for a few goals. And that is exactly what you are looking for from this team right now i thought that they were were a threat offensively but they looked responsible as well i thought they just had a fantastic game
0: yeah it's uh god i at times they look like not a fourth line <laughs> you know um they kind of did it all tonight they were that checking physical line that is able to kind of energize play and lock down the opposition's you know top six forwards, but at also times they were out there creating offense and really getting stuff set up in the offensive zone to kind of pass the baton off to another line to try to maintain that offensive zone pressure. Ryan Reeves, who I have been sp- skeptical about since the trade acquisition, uh, really impressed me tonight. um, and i'm mm-hmm. I am starting. And it's been a slow peel of the band aid, but I'm very slowly turning around on him as, um, you know, he is an important player in the lineup, whether or not he puts points on the board, because we know the energy is there. But just that that sequence of a hard four check going into the wall, he lays a menacing body check. Yep. And then, uh, and I tweeted this out, but credit to Imama for they drop the gloves, and I understand why he wants to. But he gave him the, we're going to back all the way out to center ice because you are gassed. And that's one of those, we, we've seen it where Matt Dumb in the past where you, you drop the gloves and because the guy's tired, it's just a sloppy fight and that results in an injury. I don't think Ryan, Ryan Reeves with his seasoned uh, toughness, I don't think would have an issue there, but it's it's the respect of, okay, this is an elders man in the league He's kind of known for this. I'm going to give him the time of the day here to maybe catch his breath a little bit before I go in with the worst punch attempt of all time and we end the, the fight with no no uh, excitement whatsoever. But like you mentioned, there was three others. So there was quite a bit of fireworks in that aspect later on.
1: As Reeves said, after uh, the first period with Gorg on Valley Sports North, that wasn't a fight. <laughs> Gorg said, you had a goal and a fight. He's like, I didn't have a fight. I, I had a goal. That was not a, a fight. Um, so... That line tonight, that fourth line, Connor Dewar, a goal, and assist, and four shots on goal. Um, let's see here. Ryan Reeves, a goal, an assist, and two shots on goal. And Shaw, two assists and two shots. So, I mean, that is a lot of offense from a fourth line that I thought played well. I thought the PK against the Sharks last night was brilliant, was great. Um, tonight, not as good. But, in fact, hold on a second here. I'm going to take a look quickly at the team stats and see if I can find. So the Wild was, unfortunately, 0 for 4 on power plays. They had two power play goals against the Sharks last night. 0 for 4 tonight. Uh, the Coyotes officially 1 for 2 on the power play, 50%. Um, okay, let's talk about the physicality of this game. As we said, four fights. I thought the, the most real fight we saw was the Middleton fight which took place after McBain sort of sucker punched Hartman. I didn't understand exactly that whole thing. McBain, McBain's a pretty big kid to be picking on Hartman. Um, But that was a fight that I thought the, uh, the Coyotes player Krause won, but it was still a pretty good fight as far as the actual punches exchanged. When did the Coyotes become this aggressive broad street bullies (laughs) though? I didn't, I mean, I don't watch a ton of their games, but I certainly didn't expect that. And they seem to be... And it's not like the Wild is a weak team or a small team. So it's not like, let's beat let's beat Minnesota up because they can't hack it. I mean, when your team has going into the game, Marcus Foligno and Ryan Reeves, right? So I was really surprised that the approach was... It looked like to almost try and intimidate a team that last time I checked, didn't care. Like, okay, we'll fight you. We don't care. It, it was just a... It, it had a weird feeling to it because the coyotes aren't good enough to be a rival. And again, it's not like the wild is just a small team that can get beat up on. So I,
0: I was a little bit surprised by what appeared to be a strategy to me. Uh, Quick shout out to Zoden in the in the chat with that. It's the arena. Mullet arena makes them look bigger, which is it was funny. But um no, I I thought to this uh during the game. They are the Charlestown Chiefs without the scrappy underdog and the like background story of it. They're just different. out there throwing knuckles like it's nobody's business. Um, you mentioned Jack McBain. I mean, he, he picked on Ryan Hartman. He was picking on Zuccarello, of all people, at times during tonight, too, which Zuccarello, I know, kind of can get under other guys' skin. But just for the height factor of it, I feel like he's almost a, uh, at times, untouchable type of guy just because you know what he means to the team. I mean, he's not – I'm not going to say he's like a superstar, but in terms of the Wild now with their nightly lineup, he's one of the upper guys on that team. Um, you know, Liam O'Brien is a big guy. They have uh, – Dolphin is a big guy. He's got guy. hair like you, age. Yeah, I'm... O'Brien's who, got the hair like what you. A, what a yeah. mane on him. Yeah, good hair. Um, yeah, it's it, it It was wild to see camera shot after camera shot, scuffle after scuffle, just how many guys are like 6'3 or taller on that club. It's, it is the ultimate... These are all uh, floater guys until we actually are serious about a rebuild because I cannot picture multi-year extensions for really anybody there other than Clayton Keller, um, Nick Schmaltz, who yeah, didn't, didn't play, play tonight. Yeah. Oh, that's even more embarrassing <laughs> with the loss then. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts because while Twitter was li- uh, just riled up about it. The no call on Matt Zuccarello late in, I want to say it was late third period. Uh, while just recently had started a power play would have made it, it a very lengthy five on three yep and i know he'd been jack jawing with the official uh, officiating crew throughout the night i don't think that that carried into there i think it was just maybe a lax of judgment call how does that not get called though judd i that was clear as day boarding in my eyes
1: yeah so they that hit was um was by Nemeth, that was actually, in my opinion, the most objectionable hit of the entire game. Because I hate that hit. That's such a dangerous hit. It's from behind. To your point, he's close enough to, to the boards where you're going to fly into him and potentially get hurt. I, I mean, that can that can have type of hit can have really bad r- repercussions. So I don't know. I'm not making excuses, but when's the last time? that you saw two periods of a National Hockey League game officiated by one referee. So the the second official left, I don't know, he must have got hurt or he got sick. Yeah. He left after the first period, and we went back to the days of Brian Lewis, Andy Van Helleman, Kerry Frazier. We went to the one referee, which is from my youth. And I mean, that does set you up to miss a lot. Um, I also think that, they could have done a better job when two refs were actually still working in the first period. I thought they could have done a better job of calling a few more offsetting penalties mm-hmm. to try and calm things down because they really didn't. They just let the fights go, which, if you're a fan, I guess is sort of fun. But it's but that's how a game gets out, out of control. And then when a referee goes out, it certainly doesn't help things. Uh, but yeah, I thought that hit was objectionable. I thought it should have been a- aborting now. It would have given the coyote or it would have given the wild a two man advantage. I know, you know, I know what a coyotes fan would say, uh blah blah blah. But that is one hit that I don't think in two thousand twenty three has any place. It's a bad hit in in from preps to the National Hockey League. When you're hitting a guy from behind that close to the boards, I absolutely hate that.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, let's talk about you mentioned the officiating crew in the first period the lack of reeling things in early because it, it's very easy i think as if you're knowledgeable at the game at all to recognize the atmosphere and the tenacity and the toughness and grit that you're going to get out of the first five ten minutes you could tell this is going to be a very scrappy game from the opening face off you know you're getting multi-body gatherings after whistles around the net multiple headlocks, multiple Jersey tugs, buckets were flying all over. We had a fight early. We had multiple fights early. How do you not recognize that as, Hey, this is just a regular season game. We need to reel it in here. Cause if it's yep. the playoffs, if it's the, you know, the Western conference, semifinals or whatever, sure. I understand it's the atmosphere, but this is a Sunday night game in what, what is it now? March. Yeah. Let, and they're well, not
1: gonna, and, and in the playoffs, they're not gonna fight no oh no. no like that's the difference is in this case and again the coyotes don't care like their're their season is done um I did get a tweet from somebody in the first period and it was a good point on those first two fights I think especially the second one you could have pretty easily easily handed out an instigator to the coyotes and that's gonna end that because that's that's five two10. So, like, a coach is going to, at that point, say, hey, cut out cut out the crap, you guys. Yeah. Um. So they definitely could have taken steps to try and stop that crap. They didn't. And then when they got down to one ref, I think it got worse because there's obviously all the garbage that can go on behind the play now that the second ref ordinarily would be able to see and call, but now they couldn't. Um. But, I mean, that's not just to be very, very clear here. So p- people don't think they accidentally tuned into the Bally Sports North post game show (laughs) just to be very clear here that's not why minnesota lost i'm just i think it's an interesting conversation um but it's not why the wild lost this game because they screwed up they lost this game because of defensive breakdowns that they simply can't have they lost this game because the Gus bus looked human um i have trouble faulting him a ton because he has stood on his bleeping head uh but you know he definitely did not look great uh but make no mistake this is a bad point to lose. Like this was we we talked about this I think when we did our caprisov reaction show on Friday AJ. Um this was a 4-point weekend, not a 3-point weekend. This was a this was a hey, there's 4 points there. I know it's on the road, but it's two inferior teams. You are better. Uh if I'm not mistaken now, the Wild in reality, I we we could do the um, hockey math, but in reality, I think they end the season series against the Coyotes two and two. Now, yep. you, they're gonna take the you know, two oh one, whatever the hell they, they say, but but you know, that's a bad lost point, and it's got nothing to do with officiating, it's got everything to do with the fact that the wild I thought tonight too much, and they didn't come out great against the Sharks, but they did win the game. But there was too much tonight where the Wild got away from playing the exact type of game that they have to play to win, especially without Kaprizov.
0: Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Yeah, Thursday night you asked me the question of how I felt now without Capriza for three to four weeks, and I told you I'd have to cycle, uh, circle back back around to it. I I wanted to see how they came out. I told you it's a four point weekend. I expected multi goal wins both nights, Saturday and Sunday. They get it yesterday, and granted, that was it, it was it was an ugly multi goal win. I feel like it wasn't necessarily like a yep, amazing thing and a very odd win, putting up that many goals without Caprizov. Um, tonight. Oh my God. Just so frustrating. Just so frustrating. And now my final answer, now that I have the realization of what this team probably is going to be for the next three to four weeks, it's going to be a chore to watch and I am nervous about how they're going to fare against competent hockey clubs. These are two not yeah. good hockey teams. Fortunately, they play the Blues up next
1: in mm-hmm. St. Louis, and I believe I saw the statistic on the uh, scroll tonight on Bally's that the Blues, who lost to the Golden Knights at home tonight, are 1-5 and in, in their last six home games. Uh, but I'm with you. I'm with you, and, you know, this... And if if Felino's out now, he's starting to play pretty well. Like, he, yeah. he wasn't great, but he's starting to play well. Um, that's going to be a loss. Sammy Walker is going to ha- have to play. I guess my question becomes what are are the line combinations at that point but you know what concerns me too and i've been praising the wild uh for this of late i think i praised them with you but the last well last night for sure undermines the point flurry last night again was unbelievable phenomenal and you know my whole contention is you and um Gustafson didn't do this tonight but my whole contention of how this team has to play now is you're going to need the starting goaltender to probably make like five great saves okay but after that the your responsibility defensively and I just don't I don't mean just from the blue line I mean the whole defensive structure after that your goal that group needs to play such a responsible game that they're not giving up 10 great chances well Last night, I mean, in the last two starts for the flower, how many great saves has he made? It's too many. Like, you're asking a ton. And that's where it's like, well, Gustafson had a bad game. Okay, he wasn't good tonight. But the reality is that's going to happen, which is why your structure can't break down, which is why Golagoski can't go to the right side, despite the fact he's a left-side guy. And Dumba's like, what what are we doing here? And like you said, the winger didn't get back, or the first goal. It's why Matt Dumba, who who has has the alphabet on his jersey, has to cross center ice to shoot the damn puck in. He ices it. And you know what that leads to? And for all you folks who are like, well, possession, face-offs don't matter. Yeah, they do. And when you ice the damn puck, so... All of these things, because your point is spot on. I got bad news for you. This isn't supposed to be, especially without Kirill, this isn't going to be, and it's not supposed to be fun to watch. It's not going to be a fun style to play. The Mm -hmm. players are probably going to really hate the the fact that it largely does not feature their skill, because when they are trying to play skilled, they're going to lose games. And, you know... As a fan, like tonight's game is the type of game they're going to have to play. But they have to double down. They have to play better than that. They have to play play smarter. They have to know when to take their foot off the gas, when to put it on. But just as importantly, in their own zone, if they're not responsible, they're screwed. And this is where Klingberg scares me. I mean, Johnny Merrill threw him a pass tonight. And it looked like he had passed him a grenade, AJ. <laughs> Like it looked like a live grenade. Is that the one where where he he blew a tire? Is that the one you're referencing? Yes. 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 Johnny Merrill passed him the puck, and I literally thought that looked like a live, like like that sucker's going to blow up because what the heck. He blew the tire, and, I mean, watch him defensively. He gets all out of sorts. And if he does his job to move the puck, that's awesome. But – I guess the only thing I can think of is they're going to almost for sure have to put him with Brodeen, because Brodeen, who I think is close to coming back and might come back against the Blues, which would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, he's so responsible. I think you could then highlight Klingberg's strengths without his glaring weaknesses being obvious. That's my guess. I would put Brodeen with Klingberg and Barry Dumba with Merrill, because Dumba just doesn't bring enough to me to be that second defenseman. And Klingberg actually does create the offense that at one time we thought Matt Dumba would. And let's just be honest. He doesn't.
0: I mean, he doesn't. Yeah. Um. Quickly pivoting from the defensive stuff on the backside to defensive forwards real quick. Yeah. And this is a spin zone that I it, I feel like I have to make just because of the Marcus Flano injury. You don't know quite yet what it's going to be in the impact and length and everything like that. Sure. I was watching the game with my dad and he mentioned they're going to have a hard time with the lineup. Once they get a lot of these guys back and healthy, because they have Gustav Nyquist and they have, um uh, and then Kirill's going to come back eventually and blah, blah, blah. And so it's like getting that lineup and those numbers each night. How are you going to figure out who exactly you want? Cause he mentioned the pairing on the penalty kill of Connor Dewar and Mason Shaw has been a delight. He, yep. he, you, you and I had out. a small exchange about this, but those two guys, Yes. and I, what I told them was they are the Kirill-Zuccarello combination, but in terms of penalty yep. killing, they are on a certain wavelength that is just so beautiful to watch. Um, And I, and, and I made a joke that Mason Shaw's, you know, he, he, he brings the same thing to lunch every day, but he enjoys it, blah, blah. He does not care about the flashy antics of the game of hockey. He wants to go out there and lock you down offensively, and he's going to go back grinning to the bench. He lives for that. He loves that. He wants to be that little pest who's breaking up passes. He's got the stick in the in the passing lanes. He's right yeah. on your backside just while you're trying to shield the puck. That The good news is that you don't have to make that decision now, possibly for a while, on it, whether or not you have to sit one of those guys. And that creates a little bit of, for me at least, a sense of security knowing when somebody takes that dumb penalty, those two guys are going to be out there leading the thing, uh, leading it in terms of the offense and locking things down on the top point area. So they are fun. They are so much fun. In
1: in fact, was your dad a uh, Stars fan? North Stars fan? Mm -hmm. Okay. Tell your dad just anecdotally say, you know what? Um, uh, Shaw and Doer remind me of Polich and Young Hands because it's the same two guys. Mike Polich and and Tommy Young Hands played the exact same style. Kill penalties were fantastic and were far more interested in making the right play than the flashy play. Um, but yeah, you bring up an interesting point. So I think it I think part of this is going to depend on obviously who you play in the playoffs. I mean, it looks like it's probably. You know, if it's the Jets, I think your lineup construction is different than if it's the Avs. Yeah. Um, And if it's the Avs, I don't know that Ryan Reeves plays a ton. Because they're they're so fast, I think that you need to probably gear up and be a little bit faster. This is all assuming, by the way, that Kirill comes back and Kirill is 100% or even close. If he's 50, you're screwed. So, like, if you play the Avs and it's Kirill trying to limp through... You are absolutely, absolutely screwed. Um, I will say I don't mind Sam Steele right now being on the wing of that line because, one, nobody right now is going to replace Kaprizov. Two, again, the whole thing is to get that line to also play more responsibly. I think when Kaprizov's in and Zuccarello's in, the hope is – Hartman will just sort of take care of the defensive responsibilities lots of times. I feel like Zuccarello has uh, tried a little bit more since Krill went out, AJ. And I feel like the steal assignment is basically, hey, kid, don't screw up. But nobody expects anyone to replace Kaprizov. So I don't mind that. But, um, yeah, there's going to have to be a level. This film will be very interesting to go through, I think, from tonight. Because there's going to be a lot of teachable... Again, you're not good enough to get away with this crap. And just because you're up 4-2 to two does not mean against any team the game is done. The Coyotes aren't good, but the Wild is certainly not superior enough to take the rest of, of a game off. Or just assume, we'll just try and buckle down and then screw that up. That's how you lose hockey games.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And even if they do, you you talk about they messed up just playing keep away at times early in tonight's oh, yeah. game. They I'm not gonna shy away from them playing a nice turtle offense where you just get over the red line, you get over the blue line, you fire this weak, kind of pitiful attempt on goal. Maybe you get a rebound, maybe you don't, and all of a sudden everybody is back and you're locking things down and you're meeting them with a wall of green and white sweaters. Mm-hmm. If you get a lead, that's gonna that's that has to be what you do. You you're not going to out outplay offensively. Without Krill in the lineup, you're just simply not going to. Unless, and it it sucks to say this, now they show me they can't even do that against the Arizona Coyotes. So why would I have faith that you can do it against the Colorado Avalanche or the Edmonton Oilers or you know even I I don't know like even the Chicago. You see the
1: Oilers last night against Toronto though they They couldn't play. They are they are so bad defensively. That they are going to—I mean, poor Connor McDavid, generational talent, one of the greatest oh. players we've ever seen. <laughs> I, my God, they're in Toronto. They're playing great. They're scoring goals. They give up like four, three or four goals in five minutes. They lose because they're so incompetent. Three of the goals I saw this morning on the uh, ESPN Plus show—three of the goals were just blatantly brutal turnovers. <laughs> The the uh the game tying goal that the Coyotes got tonight was like the normal goal Toronto was scoring against that group of jokesters defensively. So, yeah. I mean, this conference is very interesting. But uh, yeah, I just what I didn't like tonight is I felt like they got a little bit too comfortable. Like, okay, we're just gonna protect the lead, but it's like you still gotta you still gotta play. Yeah. and and then again, there is no margin for error in your own zone. Like, it's one thing if you throw a puck away, that's bad. But when it's just a structural breakdown, that's got to drive Dean up the wall. Cause it was that, that was everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't one guy, it was everybody. They're running around. And I think, I think when Bro Dean gets back, I am hoping Goose comes out. He's got to, right? Spurgeon, Middleton. I would put Bro Dean with Klingberg. And then Merrill on the left side and Dumba on the right. I'm not playing Goose above Dumba, and I don't think that they no. would. But, I mean, Goose has to. I would think he comes out. And I know Dean I know Dean loves playing these guys, but come on, right? Like,
0: it, it am I crazy? So, no, it, the thing is, it, that's too logical for me. Like, that's just too logical because that is the easy – he just comes out, boom, we're done. But I feel like Dean's going to be racking his brain behind the scenes and in his office, like, how do I take this guy out of the lineup? You know, he gives it to me all, and he's earned his place and all this stuff. Just by, here's how you do it. Hey, Alex, get in here real quick. We've been out all, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, just it's like game. with Sam
1: Steele. Sam Steele's going to come back out. You know what you say, Sammy, baby, thanks for what you
0: did. Now you're out. You know? <laughs> I You get to watch hockey for free. It's a really good deal. I love going to games. I've got your hot dog in the press box all set up. You want mustard? You want ketchup? I'll get you some relish. Amen, brother. Amen.
1: You preach. You (laughs) preach. All right. We are done. AJ, thanks much for uh, participating. It's now past midnight in this late night edition of Judd's Hockey Show. Wild loses. Next up is St. Louis. Never a dull moment. I'm sure we'll be back soon with another Judd's Hockey Show. He's AJ. I am Judd. Have a great morning.